Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. It's the 31st of January. Wow. You know, this coming weekend we've got Brother Sadhu coming to minister in our church. We're starting at 9.30 as we do every week. If, you, if you're looking for a new church home, come and join us. 9.30, 23 T. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. Brother Sadhu is going to bring a message and a prophecy to the church, I believe, that you're not going to want to miss. You know, if... If you're a pastor here in this city on the Gold Coast, let me encourage you, close your church. You can either be part of this or not. It's entirely up to you. It's entirely up to you. But we'd love to see everyone there. You can register on our website if you'd like to come so we can make sure we have a seat for you. Join me now in the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, this was his response. He said, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, the four Gospels contain the written testimony of inspired writers who report not only on the events in Jesus' life, but also the significance of those events. And Paul's letters were written to exalt Jesus Christ and to explain the meaning of his life and his teachings. They were also written to meet the great needs of the early disciples. You know, those great needs of the early disciples are very much the same as our needs today. The central theme of the Apostle Paul is the theme of this series, and it's based on five of Paul's major letters. And today's message is titled, Free at Last. Isn't that something that we all want to be? Free at last? I know I do. I want to be free. I want to be free in Christ. What about you? The text we're concentrating on today is Galatians 5.1. It talks about Christian liberty. I'm going to read from the New King James Version, but you can read from whichever version you like. But when we meet together, open your Bible up. Bring it with you. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I'm going to read that again. That's going to be our, our scripture for the day that we're going to work through and we're going to concentrate on because so many of us need to really understand it because we believe we're saved, but we keep going back to what the world has for us and it entangles us in that same bondage that Jesus got us out of. Let's read it again. Stand fast. He's not saying please stand fast. He's saying stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's an instruction, not a request. Let's pray for offering. If you've got a seed and you're ready to sow, hold it up. The details will be on the bottom of the screen. Father, thank you for the privilege of giving to you for the glory of your name and your cause. The words of Jesus are so true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Lord, we thank you for that heavenly blessing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Paul's letter to the Galatians, all 149 verses can be reduced down to three words, free at last. That really is the main theme of this letter. Freedom is generally assumed to be the birthright of all people. Yet people are anything but free. We've seen that over the last couple of years, haven't we? Those who thought they were free were locked away in their homes. They lost their jobs. All sorts of things happened. But we think it's our birthright to be free. Bondage is more likely to be most people's lot. For some, the cause is psychological. Others, it's economic. And for others still, it's political. <coughs> Excuse me. But Paul, with his profound insight into people's most basic need, made clear that only in Christ are people truly free. For this very reason, Paul was determined that every obstacle should be removed between people and God. Nothing's changed. Nothing, not legalism, not moralism, not ritualism, will be allowed to prevent people from experiencing the freedom that comes only from Christ. Like the Galatians, ours is the happy experience of knowing that because of Jesus Christ and Him alone, we are free at last. We're free to be saved by faith. That's our first point this evening. Free to be saved by faith. In Galatians 2.16, Paul was saying, we are free at last from all the bondage to the law and to works. For the first time in this letter, the word justify occurs. Yet it is one of the most significant terms in Paul's theology. It means to pronounce righteousness, being justified. That righteousness by which a person is accepted by God comes not from the fulfilment of any legal rules, but by faith. It liberates us from bondage to the law. If the law cannot save, then what's its purpose? Let me say that again. If the law cannot save, what is its purpose? Galatians 3, 11 to 13 says, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The law tells us what sin is. But most importantly, the law drives us to the grace of God, doesn't it? It shows us our weaknesses and makes us see that we can do nothing but throw ourselves on the mercy and the love of God. Galatians 3, 23 and 25 says, But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. The law system was God's method of preparing the world for Jesus' coming. 
faith appropriates the saving grace of Christ. Galatians 2.19 says, For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. We died through the law so we might live to God. Paul was certain of that. Through faith, Jesus Christ had done for him what he could never have done for himself. I can say what Jesus Christ has done for me, I could never have done myself. Can you say the same thing? Only when we give up our struggle can the saving grace of Christ be ours. Stop fighting. Stop struggling. Hand it to God and accept his saving grace. Secondly, we are free to grow. Galatians 5.1 says, let me read it again for you. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again by the yoke of bondage. No longer do we serve God as slaves to laws and ceremonies. Rather, we serve him as a people free to grow in grace. Unfortunately, some people today have reverted to the error of the Galatians, haven't they? They teach that we are initially saved by grace, but that we remain saved and thus grow by works. In other words, they're saying Christ makes the initial deposit, but we have to make the monthly payments or suffer a divine foreclosure and repossession of our salvation. Now, I'm someone that believes we can lose our salvation, but it's not through works. Here, Paul nothing could be further from the truth. In Philippians 1.6, he speaks with certainty, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus will complete his work that he Hallelujah for that. We are free to grow in grace for several reasons. First, because of the continuing work of the Holy Spirit. Paul asked the Galatians in Galatians 3.3, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Mm. There's some people that need to hear that. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. <coughs> Our rate of growth in grace is in direct proportion to the degree by which we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. Often we leave areas of our lives off limits to the Holy Spirit, don't we? Therefore choking our growth in peace and our growth in grace. This is why Paul said to be born again believers, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we are to grow in grace is because of the indwelling presence of Christ. He lives within us. Paul was dead. His old self was in the bonds of sin, vainly striving for righteousness by observing the law. Elsewhere, the change is called the new birth or regeneration. But here Paul said, Christ lives in me. Church, if you're a born-again believer, Christ lives in you. Christ, the life, lived in Paul. Yielding our lives to the indwelling presence of Christ is not a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Get off your salvation experience if you're stuck there. This is something we must do every day. Paul said, I die daily. 
and I am crucified with Christ. If you're stuck on your salvation experience, and I know many people are, you're missing out. You've just made the first step. That's it. There is so much more in Christ for you. When Christ is in control of our lives, we will naturally want to read our Bible. We'll naturally want to pray. We'll naturally want to witness to others and fellowship with other Christians. And we will grow in grace. Our third thing is we are free to live as members of God's family. Galatians 3, 26 to 29 talks about sons and heirs. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen to that. That's good, isn't it? Verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's have a look at five characteristics of God's family. Let's see how we measure up to this. Firstly, what does this mean to the church today? It means that none of us have vested rights. No one is above or better than others. That doesn't mean that we're all pastors or we're all apostles or we're all prophets. It doesn't mean any of that. We're all teachers, evangelists. That's not what it means. It means we're all seen the same in the eyes of God. Callings may be different. Our offices may be different. But no one is above or better than others. It means that the more value than other people's opinion. It means that the congregation is to be the church. You know, if you think you can come into a church and tell them how to be church, you're wrong because your opinion counts the same as everyone else's. You're no better than anyone else. The congregation has It means that as the family of God, we are more concerned about our responsibilities to the other members of our own individual rights. It means that because we are members of God's family, we are devoted to one another in love and we honour one another above ourselves. It means that as we reach out to others, as we witness to them and lead them to Christ, we do so regardless of their past or their culture or their social status. It means that when they become members of God's family, we accept them as our equals. The second thing is we are heirs. Every member of a family is an heir to the father's wealth, right? We're not servants in our family, laboriously striving to keep the law. We are sons and daughters of God, born into his family by grace, through faith, and thus full heirs to all of his riches. Not some, all of his riches. And third, we care for and encourage one another. Galatians 6.3 says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I'm going to read that scripture again because some of us need to hear it. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Paul said that when our fellow Christians slip, we are responsible for helping them get back on their feet again. The fourth thing is we bear the fruit of the Spirit. 
You've heard me say this so many times. Show me the fruit. The fifth characteristic of God's family is we are productive. The fifth characteristic of God's family is we are productive. Galatians 6, 9 says, And doing good, for in if we do not lose heart. Church, we need to be productive. Not just sitting around warming pews. Everyone has a role in the church. Everyone has a role in the kingdom. If you're not sure what yours is, come and see me if you're part of the refinery. I'll tell you what it is. Salvation by grace does not mean freedom to serve. Yes, you're saved. That's fantastic. It doesn't mean you're not called to serve. It doesn't mean you're excused. You have the freedom to serve once you're saved. The more we realize that we are members of God's family, not through any merit of our own, but solely through the grace and love of God, the harder we will work and the more productive we will become, not to remain a member of God's family, but because of the thrill of being a member of his family. We will work harder and we'll be more productive because we're a member of his family. Again, I say, show me the fruit. As we finish up this evening, where do you see yourself in this picture of God's family? Are you still in bondage? Or are you truly serving the Most High God? That's a question that you must answer yourself and you must answer it honestly because it has everything to do with your future. Let me encourage you to surrender your everything to him today. Everything. Not restricting him from going into some parts of your life. Surrender everything to him today and watch your life change. And let me encourage you as I do every time we meet to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than going to church just once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the word. When you spend time with God, and I want to encourage you to do that, your life will change in amazing ways because our God is a redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for him. And if you allow him, he'll make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to God, you know that. But you're also important to us at the refinery. And when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. We're believing that this year, 2023, is a year of divine restoration and divine recovery. So that will mean something different to each and every one of us. But let me encourage you, get closer to God. You may need to do some repenting. And until next time, stay in the blessings.